0: Alleged crimes caught on camera.
1: I think, uh, you know, if you push anybody with your vehicle, boom, you should at least, uh, I think it warrants arrest.
0: What VPD says about the bad behavior and the chance
2: anyone will be charged. Allegations of a cover up. I never had an experience like that where I was told that I was too exposed to be seen by a medical professional. A woman
3: who says her doctor demanded a wardrobe change.
0: And an unusual child custody case.
4: I think the suggestion that I'm endangering my children uh, makes me feel shocked.
0: How an unvaccinated father is getting limited access to his sons.
5: You're watching Global BC.
3: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Vancouver police say five people were arrested during protests and counter-protests on the weekend. But more dangerous and violent incidents are now under investigation.
0: That includes one frightening confrontation involving a transport truck from the convoy and counter-protesters on bikes. And as Catherine Urquhart shows us, it was all caught on camera. It was an intense moment. Later
6: posted on social media, video showed an interaction between a semi and a cyclist. The confrontation between someone with the trucker protest and counter
7: protesters took place at Twelfth in Ontario. And that is an incident that we are now investigating as a result of a complainant. Phoning the police to make a police report.
8: I'm not injecting myself. Throughout
6: the day, there were countless confrontations between protesters and counter-protesters, like this one on Burrard Street. By day's end, police arrested and released five people. One counter-protester says he questions some of the decisions made by Vancouver police.
1: It's kind of surprising that they arrest people with eggs. But they don't arrest people with uh, large vehicles. Yeah,
6: clown! VPD says more investigations could result from Saturday's protests, but noted they typically don't investigate social media videos unless a report is filed.
7: We're not going to generally proactively launch an investigation because somebody's posted a video on Twitter for a variety of reasons.
6: Lawyer Kyla Lee says police have a duty to investigate when there may have been a criminal offense, noting long waits to make a report can be a deterrent. Police absolutely should launch investigations based on things that they see in social media. It's very easy to contact people through their social media profiles or to find out the identifying information about those people. As for the truck involved in the confrontation with the cyclist, Global News has identified it as belonging to a Chilliwack company. Police say their investigation of that incident is in the early stages. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
3: And... Yes, drivers in a convoy of me- vehicles made their opposition to COVID-19 measures heard near the Pacific Highway border crossing this afternoon. The slow convoy rolled down Highway 15 towards the U.S. border in South Surrey. A rather quiet protest compared to one this past weekend in Metro Vancouver. That one dominated, or this one dominated by cars, SUVs, and pickup trucks, along with a few people waving flags and signs at the side of the road.
0: And the trucker protest in Ottawa is now into its 11th day, and residents of the city's downtown are getting a bit of a reprieve. An Ontario judge has granted an injunction to stop the truckers from honking their horns incessantly. And as Global's Kyle Benning reports, Ottawa police are looking for more resources to deal with the occupation.
8: The demonstration has turned into an aggressive and hateful occupation.
0: Ottawa's mayor with some
7: strong words for those occupying the capital during a council meeting Monday. Jim Watson and the city council ordered a state of emergency Sunday and are now looking for more resources to shut down the trucker convoy.
8: As a result, I will be writing to Premier Ford and Prime Minister Trudeau later today to convey Chief Slowly's request and ask them to help us dramatically increase our law enforcement capacity as quickly as possible as possible
7: some of those requests include 1800 police and civilian employees to help the ottawa police service gain a handle on the demonstration police chief peter slowly also requested council increase fines for any vehicles breaking traffic laws during the state of emergency up to one thousand dollars on sunday night police were able to confiscate fuel from a protest staging site
9: as we get more resources we're able to do more interdictions that's why we could do the operation last night to the scale that we did We need to maintain and increase these resources so that we can not just get on the fuel, we can get to the trucks themselves.
7: On Monday, the Ontario Superior Court ruled in favour of an injunction which would prevent truckers from honking horns incessantly. This injunction stemming from a proposed class action multi-million dollar lawsuit launched by a group of Ottawa residents against truckers for their protest tactics. Some in the convoy say they aren't going anywhere.
1: I think everybody's still on board with doing what we're doing. We all believe in it. Uh, It's a good cause as far as I'm concerned.
7: Federal ministers announced the start of trilateral meetings between the city, province and Ottawa.
8: What we are doing is, is creating some formal structure around the important work that has to take place between all three orders of government in providing assistance and support to the city of Ottawa and through our our respective police services to the Ottawa Police Service so that they can fulfill their responsibilities.
7: Protesters say they would like for the federal government and the Prime Minister to address some of their concerns, but the ministers didn't signal a meeting would be an option. Kyle Benning, Global News.
3: All right, let's get a check of our COVID-19 numbers. Three days' worth on a Monday. 987 people are in hospital 141 of those patients are in the ICU. There have been 32 more deaths recorded in the past 72 hours. And we have 23,739 active cases, of which nearly 3,300 are new. And again, that's over the past three days. Keith Baldry joins us now. And Keith, we haven't talked about it in a little while, although we do keep our eye on it. Mm -hmm. Where are we at when it comes to children and vaccinations?
9: Yeah, very interesting. For all the attention protests one way or another are getting, the fact is we're still vaccinating people at very high numbers each and every day. Over the weekend, almost 100,000 people got vaccinated with first, second, or third doses. But there is one segment of the population that continues to have low numbers, and that's young people. But it's really young people rather than teenagers. Here's the breakdown right now. 54% is the province-wide vaccination rate for 5- to 11-year-olds, 88% for teenagers. Now, it looks different when you start parsing out individual years. 5-year-olds, for Example, are just at 46 percent. 11-year-olds at 62 percent. So you see, parents are, I think, more comfortable right now inoculating older kids than younger kids. It jumps to 81 percent for 12-year-olds because they've been uh, eligible to be vaccinated for much longer than the 5 to 11-year-olds. And take a look at the 17-year-olds, 93 percent. At the beginning of the vaccination program, uh, health officials did fear that young people in their late uh, teens, early 20s, would, would not get vaccinated because they're not that familiar with it. But the good news is we got very high numbers of kids young people at that age group getting vaccinated, but it continues to be a bit of a struggle with the 5 to 11-year-olds. Just 34% of the kids of that age group in the north, for example, have been vaccinated with at least one dose. It's a, it's a slow grind to get that age cohort vaccinated.
3: Sure is, and lots of information on the BCCDC website mm-hmm. to help yep. parents make that decision. Okay, thanks a lot, Keith.
0: Well, WestJet is canceling more flights through to the end of March and putting the blame squarely on federal border testing policies. The airline is grounding one out of every five flights until March 31st. The decision extends the reductions put in place following the outbreak of the Omicron variant. WestJet says air travel remains the most restricted consumer activity in Canada, with COVID testing required for all passengers before international flights and more tests upon arrival. The airline says tests are making travel punitive for Canadians and foreign tourists alike.
3: The fraud and breach of trust trial of the former clerk of the legislature once again focused on the legislature's gift shop. Testimony today focused on Craig James's claims that the purchases he expensed while traveling around the world were made for the gift shop. Grace Key reports.
10: Karen Aiken who oversees the legislative gift shop testified today that when selecting products they should be associated with the legislative assembly or parliamentary building and that they should be made in BC and then Canada. When asked about products such as day planners, items depicting the US state capitals, the royal family or UK parliament building, she said they don't sell those items. These would have been some of the items that James bought at various gift shops abroad while on business trips that are now being called into question. She did say over the years, James did make some suggestions to the gift shop that ended up being sold there. She's also been involved in protocol gifts. Now, these are gifts that are given out in some form of official capacity. She said many are from the gift shop and not from another country. Brian Urquhart, who was director of financial services at the time, took the stand testifying in detail about expenses and approval policies. He could only recall about four instances where James's expenses were flagged. That included a suitcase and items that the executive financial officer was told was for the legislative gift shop. And Crown did mention that it's expecting to wrap up its case before Family Day. In Vancouver, Grace Key, Global News. Well, the new leader of the B.C. Liberals is back in some pretty familiar territory.
0: Kevin Falcon at the legislature today meeting with his caucus and the media to talk about what's next. Richard Zussman joins us with more on Falcon's first moves as leader. Richard. Sophie, Kevin
11: Falcon is back in this building and tomorrow is speech from the throne day. He won't be able to sit in one of these seats quite yet. He hasn't earned it, but that may come soon. This was Kevin Fulkin then quitting as finance minister and deputy premier in
9: 2012. Uh, Resigning as minister of finance effective immediately.
11: And this is Kevin Fulkin now back at the BC legislature carrying with him more than just the hopes of an entire party.
4: This silliness about baggage, bring it on, bring it on.
11: The new BC Liberal leader settling into the new job after a decisive win Saturday night. The first order of business, earning a seat in the legislature. The process now fast-tracked, with former Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson committing Monday to step down as the MLA for Vancouver Quilchenna.
4: I'd like to get back here as soon as possible. Uh, and I would hope that the NDP would love to see me back here as soon as possible.
11: He was the architect of some very deep cuts uh, to the province that we're still paying for today. The government has six months from when Wilkinson officially quits to call the by-election, winning a seat the easy part. Falcon needs to recruit candidates, regain trust with a public sick of the BC Liberals, and they are considering a name change. If the party switches names, then it does sort of indicate that there is a process of renewal underway. However, the challenge for the B.C. Liberal Party is that it has lost its liberal supporters in the lower mainland. The next provincial election is set for October 2024, and there's a growing sense that Premier John Horgan is considering stepping down as NDP leader before then. But for now, publicly at least, that's not the plan.
9: I'm planning for Premier Horgan to be running again. Uh, you know, if you look across the country, he, uh, the position that he's in, he's the envy of uh, all premiers across the country.
4: be happy to run against anybody uh, and in the next election. And it will be a clash of ideals, and it will be a clash of perspective and vision for the future of the province. As
11: Horgan grapples with his future, the Liberals must grapple with their past. And hope the public has finished sending them to the penalty box. Richard's Listman Global News, Victoria. And Horgan is very focused now on being back in the legislature. He'll be here for the speech on the throne. He missed. Number of session days due to his cancer treatment, so tomorrow marks his return. In terms of Falcon, no, he won't be able to sit in one of these seats, but, Sophie, he will be able to sit at the back of the chamber as a former MLA, and eventually, if he wins that by-election, he'll be able to come to the front row and square off against Horgan. The question is, how long may the two of them go at it?
0: Always entertaining, BC Politics. Thank you, Richard. (laughs)
3: A doctor's appointment ends abruptly because the doctor said the patient I wasn't was dressed appropriately. The woman who iPad. couldn't believe what happened and why she's going public with her story now. That's next on the news hour.
0: Um, and we believe that it is about farm aid, the massive payout to restore flooded agriculture, and why some critics say it's still not nearly enough coming up on the news hour.
3: And uh, it's the 20th anniversary of one of the darkest investigations in B.C. history, remembering the victims of Willie Picton. coming up later.
0: Right now, though, the pandemic and the shortage of family doctors have combined to make telehealth an attractive option. Every week, British Columbians make more than 20,000 video visits to the doctor.
3: But as Kylie Stanton shows us, a recent experience has left a Vancouver woman shaken after the doctor questioned what she was wearing.
2: So I hopped off my bike and I answered my
12: phone. It's how tens of thousands of British Columbians are accessing health care these days. Virtually, You know, you get a good shot, you're able to talk. And Carly McGee, who's been using TELUS for years, is no exception.
2: It's super easy, they make it really convenient.
12: But during her last appointment on Sunday, she was made to feel really uncomfortable.
2: The doctor said, if you're not in a private place or covered up, I cannot speak to you. And I said, no, I'm, I'm at home, I'm in a private place and I am covered up. This continued for several minutes, the conversation becoming more heated that's when he proceeded to ask me if I would go out in public dress the way that I was, and I said, you know, As a woman, it's my right to dress however I want, and maybe I shouldn't be speaking to someone who pushes those values or concerns on a patient when they're seeking medical advice, and that's when he hung up on me while I was still speaking.
12: McGee was left shaken from the experience, but felt the need to share it.
2: I decided to post about it on my Instagram.
12: She outlines what happened, saying, I stood my ground. I stood up for myself. This is what I looked like. According to the consultation notes, the doctor writes, patient is at the gym wearing a sports bra. Most of her chest is exposed. Going on to say, I asked that I can't do a visit because she is not in a private place and wearing such a sports bra.
2: I mean, there very well could be cultural feelings that someone has towards the way that someone is dressing, but as a medical professional, that's kind of something you have to check at the door. Global News reached the doctor by
12: phone, but he declined to comment on the matter. McGee plans to launch a formal complaint with the College of Physicians and Surgeons of B.C. Another, filed with TELUS Health, is already underway. In a statement, it said, We are aware of the situation and take it seriously. We are conducting a full investigation. The well-being of our patients is our top priority. And while that comes as a relief for McGee, she will have to wait another week for an appointment. And given the
2: ordeal, she's definitely weighing her options. I've used this platform so many times, but it kind of just takes all those good experiences and kind of washes them
13: away. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
3: Straight ahead, businesses being
13: bullied. She started swearing, uh, insulting my staff.
3: Okanagan shop owners say customers' bad behavior is getting worse.
0: And later, Canada's flag flap. Why some people say it doesn't symbolize what it used to.
2: Cruiser on scene to a multi-vehicle accident here in Burnaby eastbound on Kingsway at Imperial. Traffic is down to just a single lane. With BCAA car insurance, it's easy to renew from anywhere. From ICBC auto plan renewals to exclusive savings, visit bcaa.com today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above an accident in Burnaby.
3: Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times.
0: Well, changing circumstances over the last two pandemic years have caused the majority of British Columbians to alter their savings goals. That's according to a new survey.
3: Consumer Matters reporter Andrew is here with more and including some tips because we are heading into RRSP and tax season.
14: That's right, Chris. An online Ipsos poll conducted for TD in early January interviewed a sample of 1,500 adults right across the country. The results show a growing number of B.C. residents are adjusting their savings and retirement plans during the ongoing economic uncertainty. While 60% or the majority of British Columbians surveyed routinely set financial goals, 40% admitted they have no fiscal targets. When it comes to trust in navigating RRSP versus TFSA or tax-free savings account contributions, only 23% of B.C. respondents said they are very confident in knowing when to contribute to an RRSP or TFSA. And in terms of retirement future, less than one-third of those surveyed in our province or 30% feel very confident confident they'll be able to retire when they plan to.
4: Coming up to March 1st and the RRSP uh, contribution deadline, now's a chance to take um, those first steps if you haven't already in saving for retirement. And um, it's a great time um, to work with a professional um, to understand what options are best for you. You know, RRSPs are typically used more for saving for retirement. um, And TFSAs uh, can typically be used to save for any purpose. Um, Both have contribution limits.
14: Well, the RSP contribution deadline is March 1st. Any contributions not made to your TFSA by December 31st are carried forward to the next year. Now, financial experts say choosing whether to invest in an RSP or TFSA or both is not a one-size-fits-all approach, and it comes down to individual circumstances. Seeking professional advice can help you budget a financial plan to meet short- and long-term savings goals. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters.com globalnews.ca.
0: All right, thank you, Ann. A Vernon bookstore ended up with a smashed window after the owners say they showed some aggressive customers the door last week. As Megan Tercato reports, local business groups are urging people to remain respectful through the pandemic and say thankfully most people have been supportive of local shops. While
15: well, the physical damage at this Vernon bookstore was quickly fixed, they're still feeling the emotional fallout from a confrontation with belligerent customers on friday
13: they did wear masks she just kept letting like not fully yeah, following store policy with that uh, they did he had a mask on and stuff like that we usually kill people with kindness and be helpful and stuff like that and they just started getting very annoyed that we were trying to help them and just she started swearing uh insulting my staff the business owner says because of their aggressive attitude the problematic customers were told to leave and then when we asked the guy to leave he actually tried to knock down the showcase that i'm standing by here and then he uh on the way out when they were he was trying to come back in and he turned around and just elbow smashed the door my mother daughter who worked for me were at the door closing it and the glass shattered all over them the business says it's seen more problem customers recently because everybody has their own opinion on what is and isn't allowed Um, so definitely with covid and the masking thing
3: Vernon uh, certainly is not immune to the pressures of the global pandemic. Uh, We do hear about these occurrences occasionally, not very frequently, which is great.
15: The Downtown Vernon Association needs people to remember small businesses are doing the best they can in really trying times.
3: We all need to find a way to get through this, and I think that we need to be respective of each other. And it's a private property, you know. They get to make their own rules,
7: so if they ask you to leave, you have to leave.
15: The Vernon Chamber says the vast majority of people have been very supportive of local businesses.
7: I think with the political climate, uh, I am concerned that maybe, you know, people's agitations are heightened. And I worry that, uh, you know, some behaviors like this could continue. And I certainly want to condemn those behaviours and make sure that people, you know, remain respectful of businesses and business owners. The bookstore
15: owner is now feeling even more enthusiastic about her long-term plan to focus more on online sales, where the type of confrontation that happened last week isn't possible. Megan Turcato, Global News, Vernon.
3: Just ahead, a custody battle
4: that hinges on COVID vaccination. The amount of quality time that I have with my children is so drastically reduced. What would you do if you were in this father's shoes?
0: And 20 years after the discovery of one of the biggest crime scenes in BC history, revisiting the horror that happened at the Picton Farm.
2: Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but do keep in mind that there is some intermittent ongoing maintenance during the overnight hours with lane closures heading south. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
0: A unique Valentine's Day message from Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers, Advising the public about the kind of Valentine you want to avoid. These are the top five least-wanted Valentines of 2022, all wanted in relation to serious crimes, including murder, manslaughter, aggravated assault, along with sexual and drug offenses. One of the suspects, Connor DeMonte, has been placed on the national BOLO, or Be On The Lookout, program. DeMonte is wanted for the 2009 killing of Red Scorpion gang member Kevin LeClaire outside a Langley strip mall. And, well, you don't want to date any of them. If you see them, a $100,000 reward is being offered for information that leads to an arrest.
3: Well, the horror of what happened on the Picton farm first came to light 20 years ago yesterday when police showed up with a search warrant and established what became the largest crime scene in B.C. history.
0: Willie Picton was convicted as a prolific serial killer. And tonight, the sister of one of his possible victims is speaking out. As Romina Dea reports, Sandra Gagnon says it is outrageous that Picton will be able to apply for day parole in just two years.
16: Well, this is my sister Janet right here. 20 years, still no peace for Sandra Gagnon as she faces unmerciful memories of what happened to her baby sister, Janet Henry.
14: When I heard about uh, Janet, it was uh,
16: horrific.
4: It's hard to keep going. Robert
16: Willie Picton. The world would come to know him as one of the worst serial killers in Canadian history. The pig farmers, Port Coquitlam Farm, searched February 6th, 2002, purses, inhalers and ultimately body parts uncovered. Henry's remains believed to be among the grim evidence, Picton charged with 26 murders. I had
14: horrible, horrible nightmares.
16: Henry, among dozens of women who had vanished from Vancouver's downtown East Side.
15: Nothing has come to light yet that clearly states that there is somebody killing these women.
16: Please to Vancouver police ignored, say, family members. Gagnon remembers the stinging words of an investigator from the Missing Women's Task Force.
14: He said the woman couldn't get dates anyway. How dare he talk that way about our missing loved
8: ones? The families were right. They were ignored. I mean, there were families who went to the Vancouver police to report their sisters and and relatives missing and were told basically, buzz off.
16: 20 of the 26 murder charges were ultimately state. Picton, now 72, was convicted of six counts of second-degree murder. While it is unlikely he will ever see the outside of his jail cell, he will be eligible for parole two years from now, in February 2024.
14: We have a rotten system. Court system uh, makes me sick.
16: Ganyal promising to fight any application for parole. She's writing a book in the name of her sister and all the others who never came home. Don't forget about
14: our women because they were human beings. They were loving. Janet had a heart
16: of gold. Romina Dea, Global News.
3: Vaccine mandates and COVID-19 restrictions have, in many cases, driven people apart. And now a B.C. judge has dramatically reduced the time that a separated father can spend with his children. The reason? The father says it's simply because he's unvaccinated. John Waugh has the story.
1: Going through a rocky separation is never easy. This father says the time away from his boys is by far the hardest part. There's never enough time with my kids. I basically uh, am
4: there for them. And when they're not there, I try and find stuff to keep myself busy.
1: We've changed his name and won't be showing his face in order to protect the children's identities. But James felt it was important to share his story after he says the court is keeping him away from his kids because he's not vaccinated against COVID-19.
4: I think the suggestion that I'm endangering my children uh,
1: makes me feel shocked the decision made in bc supreme court leading to a dramatic decrease in parenting time a draft of the order shows two hours on thursdays and sundays james says that's down from four days and three nights or 63 hours a week the amount of quality time that i have with
4: my children is so drastically reduced it's next to nothing
1: on top of that his parenting time is limited to outdoors driving with the children also not permitted. The children cannot spend time with anyone else indoors unless his former spouse is shown proof of vaccination and masks must be worn at all times.
4: It is a absolutely concerning decision that impacts separated unvaccinated parents across Canada.
1: Family lawyer, Scott Taylor is helping James who is technically representing himself in court. Taylor says while unvaccinated parents have faced similar orders in Ontario, the reduction in parenting time was limited and cases involved other factors. The
4: children in those other cases were unvaccinated. They they were ineligible for vaccination.
1: James says one of his children has received a first dose of the vaccine, the youngest also old enough to get the shot. Despite his own beliefs, he says it's something he can't oppose.
4: I don't feel I'm putting anybody in danger. I'm respectful of everybody else's choices. I'm not out there causing trouble.
1: When asked if there are any other factors that led to the reduction in parenting time, like an immunocompromised family member or relationship issues, James says no.
4: As soon as I get double vaccinated, everything goes back to normal. This is not a suggestion that I'm not a a great
1: parent with many expecting the province to ease mandates, including the vaccine passport this summer. There is concern precedent-setting court orders like this one will remain. It's a mandate on, on every unvaccinated parent
4: that they must be vaccinated, or else they're a risk to their own children.
1: James says he's still undecided whether to appeal or get vaccinated. Either way, having his parenting time restored will take months. He says the hardest call right now. How does he explain this to his kids? I'm still there, that I care, and that I will continue
4: to love them the way that I always have, and I always will.
1: John Hua, Global News.
0: Up next, hope for flooded farmers. The program that delivers the greatest amount of financial support of its kind in BC's history. The largest agriculture recovery program in history and who it will help.
3: Also, tonight in sports, the long list of players playing defense against COVID for the Vancouver Canucks. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Farmers whose lives have been upended in the Sumas Prairie are about to get a hand up from the government. The province now estimates November's floods caused more than a quarter billion dollars in damage.
0: And that makes it the largest agricultural disaster in B.C.'s history. So, as Ted Trinecki reports, B.C. and Ottawa are helping farmers get back on their feet.
5: You just knew that when all that flood water eventually receded, there was going to be a colossal cleanup required and a price tag to match. So, today, the province and federal governments finally announced $228 million to help farmers and ranchers stay in business.
0: We've been working with private insurance companies and having assessors out, um, and we believe that it is about $285 million. I can see that amount of money getting eaten up very, very quickly, and especially when the dairy guys are saying that their losses are between $1 and $500 million alone.
5: The Canada-B.C. Flood Recovery Program covers all damage to agricultural operations caused by flooding and landslides, and especially for items not covered by insurance. While in the Fraser Valley, the flood has come and gone, near Merritt, for example, there's still a river flowing through once-productive farmland. Some ranchers have lost their irrigation equipment. There could be a meters worth of silt on former hayfields. Corrals and barns badly damaged.
10: Hundreds of
0: thousands of dollars worth of fencing just gone. And that needs to be replaced. Roads are completely gone. Roads to access fields and infrastructure are gone. And so we're looking at millions of dollars just on one property alone.
5: Still, $228 million is a quarter billion. That is
17: going to go a long way to bring some financial relief to the farmers, not only in Abbotsford, but in other parts of the province as well. So I'm pleased.
5: Ranchers eventually found feed for their animals, but at a very steep price.
17: Hay I know has gone up
5: like three or four times what it was a year ago. The only thing growing right now are bank loans and lines of credit.
0: We also know that there are some very desperate situations right now and farmers need cash now.
5: The province will administer the program and says it has 20 persons on standby to start taking calls now in what it calls the most impactful agricultural disaster ever in B.C. Ted Schirneke, Global News.
3: Frustrated mayors just south of the border are demanding action to prevent future floods like the one that devastated the Sumas Prairie. The Nooksack River overflowed in northern Washington state, sending a torrent of water north across the border, eventually breaching the dike in Abbotsford that was supposed to hold it back. Four mayors have written to the state now asking for quick action to prevent future floods. Options include water retention dams, levee building
11: and dredging the river. When the water's coming down in stormwater times or in floodwater times, uh, it tends to well up a little bit and go over the banks more than it has historically. And of course, we did not do the Sumas Prairie any favors with this latest round of floods. Isn't
3: that the truth?
0: Yeah, no kidding. All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at that weather forecast. Christy, it was a lovely day today, and we have even better news coming for us.
18: That's right. You and I were joking earlier that uh, the groundhogs reported uh, six more weeks of winter, but honestly, uh, it doesn't look like that in our long-range forecast. Today, we hit 12 degrees. Here's a quick look at some of your photos. I was gardening yesterday, and there were a lot of buds on the trees. Here's a look at Keith. He sent us a photo from Langley, crocuses in his garden, and this was a shot from the Boundary Bay area today. Stunning, and as was the sunset. Thank you to Norm for that one. So what we have is a little mini ridge of high pressure that's going to develop on wednesday and that's going to hold through thursday friday and the weekend we are likely going to see conditions again with the potential of reaching 14 degrees on Saturday. So certainly lots to look forward to. But in the meantime, a major system targeting the north and central coast. It will touch down into the northern parts of Vancouver Island. We will just be on the southern edge of it. So we're keeping in a chance of showers. Here's a closer look at the south coast. Uh, That chance of showers throughout the day tomorrow. It's one of those days you need to bring your rain jacket just in case. Best chance of seeing the showers would be later in the day and then certainly overnight tomorrow night into our Wednesday morning, but beyond that, Wednesday as we talked about earlier is when we're going to see that ridge of high pressure build so a transition day on Wednesday back to some sunshine. In the meantime yes, a few flurries overnight for the interior changing over to showers, but not much majority of the action in through the northern part of Vancouver Island, still some showers for uh, northern sections of the Sunshine Coast and a chance of showers for our region also into our Wednesday morning, but beyond that, look at that, lots of sunshine right through till Saturday with the potential for four degrees tonight central windows weather window comes to you from Fort St. James where it's not quite so spring like there but this is Greta's uh, grandson fishing there and there's no reports yet of whether he actually caught any fish I did send her an email to ask but nonetheless (laughs) what a cutie there, just patiently waiting (laughs) enjoying the great outdoors
3: that is great doing some ice fishing hope he caught something Got his Seems own like... little chair there with his yeah. Boston Red Sox toque. <laughs> <laughs> this is very cute. Some of the Canucks caught something, Squire, and it's not good.
19: Well, um, the NHL just recently went through its all-star break, and the bad news for the Canucks is Quinn Hughes is now in COVID protocol, whom Bruce Boudreau believes...
17: Um, find some way to uh, uh, create more stuff on the power play without him i don't think that we can but we will try because he tested
19: and positive you know. in the states hughes will miss all three Canuck games this week
3: also coming up showing your pride how flying the maple leaf means different things to different people these days The great, the legendary, Squire Barnes.
19: Oh, you meant me. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Somebody else had come in the room. Uh, thank you very much. Um, just like his younger brother, Jack, Quinn Hughes is in COVID protocol. Just as the Canucks are coming out of the All-Star break with about a 13% chance of making the playoffs right now, and playing six of their next next seven games. See, there goes my legendary status. Six of his next seven games, or their next seven games at home, starting tomorrow against Arizona. Vancouver, like every team, has had to deal with these stretches where COVID takes away their best player, or one of their best players, or several of their best players. We all remember there was a time just recently, Demko and Halak were down, JT Miller and Bo Horvat were out, and now this. But he wasn't only missing, that is Bruce Boudreaux, Quinn Hughes today,
8: more were missing when the Canucks got back to work. The biggest story for the Vancouver Canucks coming out of the All-Star break is who wasn't at practice. No Quinn Hughes, no Elias Pettersson, no Matthew Highmore, and no Tucker Pullman. Hughes and Highmore are the latest Canucks players to be placed in COVID protocol.
17: Uh, we've gone through... Um, with Miller and Horvat being out at the same time, we've gone through with Demko being out and 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 Halak at the same time. Um, so we're going to go through with this left
5: point pass Hughes Rashad. <laughs>
8: Having Hughes in COVID protocol is a huge hit to the Canucks. Not only is he second in team scoring with 34 points in 45 games, nobody comes close to logging the 25 minutes of ice time that Hughes puts in on a nightly basis. He truly is the little engine that drives this Canucks team. For a club hoping to put together a playoff push, it's gotten a lot more difficult as Hughes won't play a minute during the Canucks' upcoming three-game homestand.
17: If you look at the, the amount of goals uh, that he creates, from the back end uh, to a team that is somewhat offensively challenged, that uh, and he's the best creator of our of our offense from the back end. So I mean, that's going to be the challenge right there. I don't think we're ever going to replace Quinn Hughes. He's that good. But I mean, hopefully we can. Um, find some way to uh, uh, create more stuff on the power play without him. I don't think it, we can but we will try.
8: Because he tested positive in the United States during the All-Star break, that's where Hughes is going to stay. The plan is for him to rejoin the connection San Jose when they take on the Sharks February the 17th. A full 16 days since the last time he played a game.
17: Uh, obviously you're not going to replace the, the way he can carry the puck, the way he can make uh, two-line passes and everything like that. I mean He's just too good at it, but uh, um, we we have um, come through when other people uh, were were sick or under protocol. I think uh, we'll we'll do the same thing again with this with this group this week.
19: All right, Leafs against their former goalie Freddie Anderson and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes tonight. Mitch Monner had a couple of goals in this game, and so did Austin Matthews.
17: Out of midair instead.
19: Looked like Nylander, but they gave it to Matthews, and then Matthews will score again to give Toronto the uh, 2-1 lead, 31st of the year. At the very start of the third period, Tony D'Angelo scored to tie things up right at the start of the third period. This game would eventually go to overtime. We just found out Mitch Marner has scored the winner, and Toronto has won it 4-3. to Medal standings at the Olympics, and as you can see, Canada off to a pretty good start so far. Six medals in total. We were 11, 8, and 10 back in 2018. Four bronze medals. I want to tell you about one of those bronze because it was a huge surprise. There they are right there. This was not expected at all. A bronze in team ski jumping, which is a new Olympic event. This was a total surprise, albeit a pleasant surprise, for Canadian officials and people who've been around ski jumping forever because... This is not a sport we are usually strong in. In fact, we had never won an Olympic medal until we won this one. But the final had four-time world champ Germany disqualified for equipment violation. The Canadian jumpers had the big day on the right day. Good for them. Congratulations.
0: Excellent. And we should say,
19: Mm -hmm. now Tom Brady has said, hey, never say never. Oh, boy. I, I could come back to the NFL if I find that retirement life is boring <laughs> <laughs> which you might few. remember he originally said he wanted to play to 50 yeah and he was playing great this past season if he played next season he would still be one of the top quarterbacks in the nfl so who knows
3: wow we'll keep an eye on that thanks right. squire
0: up next why flying the flag is fraught these days Well, the Canadian flag is an important and inspirational symbol for our country. For many, it is one that represents peace, equality, and freedom.
3: But lately, what unites us is also a symbol of division to many. Global's Dan Grummet has more on the red and white change in perception.
20: Daryl Beebe is attracting attention lately, all because of one accessory on his pickup truck. That's what this flag has come to symbolize, is our right as Canadians to choose. Beebe chose to drive his truck in the Edmonton protest this weekend, flying the Maple Leaf to show support for the protest-turned-occupation in Ottawa. Several times during our interview, passing motorists showed support for him. Anybody flying a flag off the truck right now, it's like a Harley owner's group or something. That's not how everyone chooses to see it. In fact, a Canadian flag flying from a truck or semi right now can produce a completely different reaction.
13: I don't think it changes
14: my perception of the flag, but I definitely have some preconceived ideas of the people who fly them when I see it.
20: Mackenzie Hain wonders if anyone will make assumptions about the flag outside her house, there long before it was tied to large-scale protests.
14: We thought that it was a good idea, a good symbol of nationalism. But I want it to stay a symbol of nationalism and not necessarily a political belief.
20: It wouldn't be the first time the Maple Leaf has been associated with polarizing sentiment. This Canada-themed souvenir store says it's seen a boost in sales recently, mainly from flags. Owner Joe Nicolak believes it's driven by pride, not
17: politics. With a store like myself, I don't get political. I stay away from that type of thing. Is this not
20: political, though, these hats?
17: Um, these were made uh, for, for a customer that wanted to show some uh, support for the convoy. How
20: long are you going to fly the flag on the back of your truck?
17: Until the convoy
20: pulls back out of Ottawa. However you feel about BB's truck flag, the reactions are a reflection of a polarized nation where a path to unity doesn't appear so red and white. Dan Grummett, Global News.
0: All right, let's bring in Christy for one last look at our weather forecast and it's going to be positively balmy, Christy.
18: Yes, so tomorrow is really still a little unsettled, but after that, that's when we're really going to turn things around. So bring your rain jacket just in case tomorrow with that chance of showers that lasts into the early morning hours on Wednesday. But beyond that, looking pretty nice. And as you said, balmy potentially on Saturday in the double digits once again.
3: I pulled the flag down for the winter, but if it's that warm on Saturday, I'm going to put it back up again. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great night.
0: Good night, all.